chapter, actually 21. Yes, that's good, thank you. As I want to share with you some truths about the Word of God. Do you realize that there's going to be occasions in your life that God will allow into your life things that you can't handle? Are you aware at certain times in life that, that you're going to experience certain things that, that is just beyond your ability to deal with? You say, well, wait a second, preacher. What about that verse in the Bible that says, My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. He will. And doesn't the Bible tell us that, that we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ? We are. But there are times in life where, where God, by His divine, sovereign purpose, will allow things into your life, my life, that is beyond my ability to deal with, that is beyond my ability to control, that is beyond my ability to even process. Because God is trying to get me to the place, to get you to the place where you will allow someone else to meet your need. To come alongside of you and to work on your behalf. Now listen to this story about David here in 2 Samuel chapter 21 beginning with verse 15. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel, and David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. That means David was overwhelmed. You never find this verse in the Bible anywhere else where it talks about this man of God, this man of faith, this man who was after God's own heart, that he was overwhelmed, that he was faint, that he was, he was feeling very vulnerable in life. But here it says, and Ishbibanah, boy, isn't that a good name? You're hunting for a name for your youngin? Let's call him Ishbi Banab. All right? Ishbi, Ish, Ishbi Banab, whatever you want to call him. Ish, come here. But Ishbi Banab, which was the son of the giant. You remember the giant, don't you? His name was Goliath. He was a massive piece of man. He was nine foot six inches tall. And the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass, 300 shekels of brass in weight, and he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. Do you see what's taking place here? The king, the man who's after God's own heart, he is finding himself on the battlefield. He finds himself striving to obey God, striving to serve God, striving to do what is right, and he has grown faint in the process of life. He has grown faint in the process of the battle. And all of a sudden, the enemy has his eyes set upon this man of God, and the enemy's getting ready to take him out and look what it says but Abishai man I like Abishai y'all know who Abishai is you remember when David was having to leave Jerusalem and he was running out of the city, and the, the, a holy city, and, and, and Abishai was with him and Shimei came and began to curse David and throw rocks at David you remember that episode when he was fleeing because Absalom was taking over and Shimei came and he was throwing rocks and he was cursing David. And Abishai said, let me cut that dog's head off. That's Abishai. Abishai's that man that's got your back. Abishai, that's the man who steps up when you can't step up for yourself. And so here it is, but Abishai, the son of Zerai, succored him and smote the Philistine and killed him. And then the men of David swearing him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle. Thou shalt quench not the light of Israel. Do you realize that we know more about David than any other person in the Bible save the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Do you realize that David, we first introduced to him, he was a shepherd boy out in the field and nobody thought much of him. His own daddy didn't think he was worth much because he did not bring him in when when Samuel came to anoint the next king of Israel. And here he was, a shepherd boy. And here's the principle. You've got to learn how to be out by yourself in isolation, herding sheep that really have no sense, my friends. You've got to learn how to go out there where nobody cares and nobody understands. And you've got to get alone with God. And you've got to let God work in your heart and work in your life. And all of a sudden, Samuel anointed him to be the next king of Israel. Do you know what he did? He went back to the sheepfold. He went back herding sheep, doing what God had called him to do. But there came a time when the sons of Israel went into battle against the Philistines. And his daddy said, David, you need to go help your brothers out. You need to go find out what's going on and take them some food. Take them some supplies. And so he makes his way there to the battlefield. And when he gets to the battlefield, that's when he's introduced to Goliath. Because Goliath, this giant, he is standing there before the people of God, defying the God of Israel, threatening these people, threatening and intimidating them. And said, who will fight for me? Who will fight me? Who will stand? And nobody stood up. And David, this shepherd boy, said, I'll fight. And you know what his brother said? You need to go back home. And David wasn't trying to be a smart aleck. But David said, he's defined my God. And he stood up. And Saul tried to put on his armor on David, didn't he? Now, can you imagine me putting my armor on a little boy? And and he can't even move. And so what did David do? He went down to the brook and he got three rocks, four rocks, five rocks. Thank you. He got a handful of rocks. And he got a slingshot. And he went out before a giant. Why did he take so many rocks, Jacob? Because Goliath had brothers. He also understood I might miss. Because in my flesh there dwells no good thing. And I have capabilities to miss. So do you. But he fell that giant. And when that rock hit him. He fell. What did he do? He goes and gets Goliath's sword. And that must have been a massive weapon. And he grabs that old giant, I believe, by the hair of his head. And he whacks his head off. What did he do with his head? It's in the Bible. He buried it in Jerusalem. Mm. Listen to me. David is a giant killer. And from that day forward, this young man, every time he rode in, every time he went out, everybody would say, that's David. He's the giant killer. Every time they got in line for battle, the enemy would say, there he is. He's the giant killer. And they would take their side. David was victorious every time, but not today. Because this is the first time in the Bible it tells us that the man of God waxed faint. And this was the first time in the Bible that he was getting ready to have his life taken away. He was weary. He was vulnerable. Do you ever get weary? Do you ever wax faint? 
Do you ever get overwhelmed with life and you don't know what to do, where to go, who to call on? Man, let me tell you something. When times like that come, understand God has allowed that moment into your life. And He's not allowed that moment into your life to harm you, to hurt you. He's allowed that moment into your life whereby somebody named Abishai can step up and be the one who meets the need that you have. Because God wants you to understand you're not in this alone. You're not in this by yourself. You've got brothers and sisters in Christ who will sustain you, who will support you, who will carry you if need be. But you're going to have times just like I am where I can't deal with it. And he's going to raise up an Abishai. I want to be an Abishai. How about you? Don't you want to be a man of God when somebody's having a hard time that you can come alongside them and work inside their life and they don't even know it necessarily. But you minister grace. You minister encouragement. You minister hope. You minister help to them. Don't you want to do that? I hope so. Because guys, we need each other. We need each other because every one of us, we face trying times. We face difficult times. We face those stormy times where we don't know what to do, where to go, or how to get through. But hear me. God says, I will sustain you. I will guide you. I will make provision for you. And it may not be the way we think, but he can raise up an Abishai. What's it take to be an Abishai? At least four things. And they're very profound. You know what it takes the first thing? It takes your faith. You say, well, that counts me out. Well, me too. Look at me. It ain't that funny, Jacob. I know I got scars. See, see, see. If you're going to come alongside a brother or a sister who's struggling, whose difficulties in life are overwhelming them, you've got to put on a good face. That means your countenance. That means your, 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 your attitude that expresses itself. Your face is to be a billboard for God. So let me ask you this question. How has your face done this week in being a billboard for God? Because your face is either putting good news, good encouragement into people, or your faith is sucking the life out of people. You're either a, a, a builder upper or a drainer. Now, do you know any drainers? Don't look at nobody. Don't nudge your buddy. Do you know anybody who just shows up and you kind of go, Oh, Lord. Why'd he have to be here today? You don't know anybody like that, do you? I, I, I remember as a teenager, my pastor, it was told to me that he went to an association meeting and, and somebody made the comment says every time he shows up it's like a black cloud comes over this place that's not a good testimony guys is it no no See, and so, so you may not be able to do much, but, but you've got to be, I said, Lord, when somebody's down, when somebody's hurting, when somebody's in need, let me be able to put on a good face and, and just go in and be a bright spot to their day. Let me go in and be able to somehow let the countenance of Christ, which dwells inside of me, it's work to encourage my brother who's down, my sister who's down. God, help me to know how to put on a good face for these people. Let me know what it is to smile. Let my life be something that encourages somebody and not drain somebody. Do you know what a drainer is? 
They whine. They complain. They criticize. Now, none of y'all do that, do you? Yeah. And definitely it don't happen in churches, does it? And, and here's the sad thing is, many times it takes place and people don't even realize that's what they're doing. And here's the dangerous thing, because if you are a whiner, a complainer, a griper, a criticizer, you're dangerously in a position where you're dull of hearing and you're not going to hear the Word of God, and you're not going to know the Word of God, and and your heart is hardened. You, you, you know, if you have a callus on your hand, you can feel that rough spot, but, you know, that's where our heart gets. And when our heart gets like that, and, and, and we just think we can say whatever we think, and many times we say without thinking, we drain the life out of people. And people don't need being drained. They need to be... Some people are like Hoover vacuum cleaners. They suck the life out of you. Don't they, brother? Yeah. Yeah. I shouldn't be talking to him. He worries me. I'll go over and talk to you all. No, but it, No, man. You're good. You're good. You're good. He's with me. See, I know that. That's good. You're good. But see, 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 in life, you need to be really aware that, say, God, when my brother's hurting, let me put on a good face and go in there and be hope to them. Let me be put on a good face and go in there and, and, and encourage them. Isn't that just a simple thing? See, 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 when David was about to have his life snuffed out, God raised up Abishai. And Abishai did for David what David could not do for himself. And God says, I want people here at Grapevine Baptist Church and wherever you're from, I want you to understand your responsibility to put on that good face to let the countenance of Christ which dwells in you show forth outside of you, whereby you give encouragement to people who are down. You you give encouragement to people who are hurting. You give hope to people who are in despair. Why? Because that's all we can do is put on a good face and have the countenance of Christ showing it through our lives. That's it. And so he says, if you want to be an Abishai, it starts with your face. It starts with your face. Now, it doesn't have to be a pretty face. It has to be a face that lets the character of Christ show forth. And ladies, your face radiate radiates. Is that the right word? Radiates better than men's faces. You understand? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And ladies, when you don't put on that good face. Your husband can see it 900 yards away. Right? And if you're not laughing, it's because you're afraid you're going to get that look when you get home. You know what that look is? Yeah. We know what that look is. We don't want that look. See, see, to encourage your brother, your sister, let the countenance of Christ be real in you. And let the joy of Christ, which is your birthright, 
show forth. And there's days I don't feel very joyful. Char and I are trying to sell a house in East Tennessee. But if you're from here, you know that. We've been playing this game with whoever it is that's bid on it, and, and it's to the point where it's like, you know, this is nuts. And I didn't have a good face on yesterday. And Char said, one day you're this, one day you're that. I said, I'm good today, though, honey. <laughs> See, you've got to let the peace of Christ just dwell in your heart that passes all understanding. But see, we need to understand that, that, that we've got people who are hurting, and, and the last thing we need to do... <laughs> See, here's, here, here's... If I was one of David's soldiers, and I saw Ishbi Benob getting ready to take David out, I may have thought, I may have said... David, you probably shouldn't mess with his daddy. See, see, and I, and I could have ducked on him and made him feel worse than what he is. And, and see, see, we say things sometimes and we don't even think what we're expressing, but we say these things and we don't under, understand that, that we're beating somebody down. See, every Philistine kid, when he was growing up, he had one goal, I believe, in mind. And that was, I'm going to kill the giant killer. I'm going to kill the man who killed our champion. I'm going to kill David. I'm going to set my sights on it. And four times, David finds himself in the situation facing Goliath's brothers and Goliath's sons. And somebody has to help David out. And you need to understand, in life, when we face giants, we need people to help us out. And you can help somebody out by having the countenance of Christ being real in you, magnifying through you, and the joy of Christ express itself in your life and not be a drainer. Yeah? So if you want to be an Abishai, it starts with your face. Second thing, you got to give them a good word. Look, look what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. I don't know why I've got this stand up here. He's just in my way. It, it, it says there, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Is that what's happening in your Bible study? Are you letting the word of Christ dwell inside you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Isn't that what you brothers were doing? You were trying to sing with the very grace of God in your heart to the Lord. You were trying to come before us and encourage us with spiritual songs, with spiritual hymns. And so what God has said, if you want to help somebody, if you want to be an Abishai and come alongside that brother who's down, because someday you're going to be down and someday you're going to be in despair and someday you're going to be discouraged and you're going to need somebody to come alongside of you. If you want to be like Abishai and be the one that God uses or the one that God sends in, you've got to put on the countenance of Christ. You've got to put the face on that's right and you've got to be able to give them a good word. A word of encouragement, a word of hope, a word of help, a word of strength. You don't have to preach a sermon to them. I'll do that. But just give them a good word. 
Let the Word of God dwell in you richly, whereby you can express what the truth of God says to somebody who is hurting. Teach people what it means to wait patiently upon the Lord and let Him renew your strength. And encourage people to understand what it means to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Encourage people to realize that in all your ways, when you acknowledge Him, He will direct your path. Encourage people in the Word of God. Give them a word. And so, so, so when, when you find that brother that, that, that's down, that sister that's down, you say, God, give me a word to say that helps them, a word to say that blesses them, a word that says that encourages them. Why? Because they need a word. They need a word of hope. They need a word of help. They need a word of healing to their spirit. They need to know that this will pass. It might be a long season, but this can pass. But your faith is in Christ. So you give them a good word. Several years ago, I think it was 2008, I don't know, when, when was Kobe in diesel school? He was in diesel college. And, anyway, he was driving. We had this old Jetta, 2000 model Jetta, so it's about 2008, 2010, I don't know. But it's an old ragged out car. And that's what I gave him to drive back and forth to Knox when he was going to diesel school. Got a flat tire down at the Food Line grocery store. Y'all know what Food Line is up here? I've not seen one here, but anyway, we got them back in East Tennessee. So, so he calls me and says, all right, son, I'll be down there. So I give him my car, and I get in his car, and I say, all right, I'll fix the flat. You take my car on the school. And so I'm out there trying to fix a flat tire. It's not real hard if you've changed the flat tire, is it, guys? But they need to tell you if they put those little old locking screws on the wheel where you can't get the tire loose. And so after 30 minutes of grunting on that wrench, trying to get that thing twisted, I thought, what is wrong with it? And I thought, this got a lock on it. Who puts locks on a Jetta tire? It's a Jetta, for goodness sake. It's an old one at that. And I'm so frustrated. I'm laying in that parking lot trying to get that thing broke loose. And this old boy pulls up in his pickup truck and he rolls down the window. And I don't know him from Adam. He doesn't know me from Adam. He says, having a bad day? I said, Absolutely. He says, anything I can do to help you? I said, no, but I do really appreciate you coming by. I don't know him, but he encouraged me by just simply stopping by, saying, I took notice of you in your situation, and I want to offer you a hand if I can. But I had it under control. But then I found that little crazy key, the lock. And... But just a word where somebody, a complete stranger, said, I noticed you. And you were struggling. It changed the whole issue. So when you're in a, in a hard spot, say, God, show me how to put on a good face. And show me how to give a good word. Because people need encouragement in the Lord. And so he said, David, you're waxing faint. But Abishai comes alongside you. Abishai has got you back. And somebody else is going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. Now you may be sitting here and you may think, I don't need no Abishai. But I'm going to tell you this. When your kid becomes a prodigal, you'll be praying God sends an Abishai alongside him, won't you? you find yourself in a situation where you cannot help that child or that loved one, that friend, you'll be praying God send an Abishai alongside of them. 
We all need an Abishai, and we all need to desire to have an Abishai heart so that God can do with us what he wants to do for someone else by encouraging them. Third thing you need to do, you put on a good face, let the joy of the Lord, the countenance of Christ show forth. You set forth, give them a good word. It don't have to be real deep. This sermon's not real deep, but give them a good word. And he says, be tender-hearted and compassionate. I do a little thing online called Dog Tales. Most of y'all have seen it. Some of y'all, if you're from here, you have. And I shared one a while back about my dog. I got a boxer. We, we walk in the woods. We walk in the mountains, East Tennessee. And I, and I usually tell a little truth. Well, well, there's this blind calf that we've come across several times. And I didn't know it was blind until I got right up on it. And its eyeballs are as wide as it's everything. And he's usually close by his mama, but there's been two or three times where he's been over in a creek and he can't get out and mama's nowhere around. And there's been a few times he's just walking in circles, nobody around, he's just bawling. And, and, and my dog likes to play cow tag. It ain't real smart, but he likes that game. But, but he never did do this to the blind calf. It's like he had this sense about him that this calf had a need. This calf had something going on. And, and, and Maverick would just go up and just look and his head just twist and he'll look at me and then he takes a wide cut around that path. It's like he's showing compassion. And see, see, God has called us to be tender-hearted and kind. I think if you look in the book of Ephesians, and I may be in the wrong book, it's in there somewhere. Where does it say in Ephesians, be kind to kindness? Anyway, you find it later. But you're to put on kindness compassion to people. We had an old boy back in East Tennessee that, that started coming by our church office, and, and I didn't know it, but he'd been coming by about every other day for a week or so, and my secretary was trying to help him get a job. And he didn't write real good, and he didn't know how to get on the computer and do this stuff, and so she was working. And he'd ride a bicycle about 10 miles from out in the county, come into town on his way to try to got, find work. And so, so his name was Mike. And, and so she introduced me to Mike, and she was trying to help him. And, and so it's all, it's all nice and good, and we, we were cordial. And, and so there was one day we decided we'd go get a bite to lunch, of lunch. And so Char, my wife, and my daughter, Michaela, and my secretary, we all loaded up and went down to get something to eat. And we're, we're getting down into the main area of where the restaurant is. And we see an ambulance, and we see a fire truck, two fire trucks, a couple of police cars. Seem like a rescue squad vehicle, and a bicycle turned over. Well, Mike has been in a, a wreck on his bicycle with a car. And so all of a sudden, you've got all this great mass of people, and I've got three women in my car saying, you got to help him, you got to help him. I said, there's four police officers, there's six firemen, there's two paramedics. I am not going to help right, I can't get in the way. You got to help him. Boy, it's always a blessing when they're telling you what you got to do, isn't it, guys? It's always just a bless your heart moment. I said, give me a minute. So when everything calms down, I walk up about from me to you and I say, hey, Mike, you need anything? He said, my pastor's here. And I thought, I ain't your pastor. I just met you three days ago. You ain't even been to church yet. My pastor's here. It's all right. I said, I got him. So we threw his bicycle in the back of the car. 
and we carried his bicycle to his house and let him out. And then I let all the ladies out at the office. And I went up to our house. And I got Char's bicycle because it sure ain't been rolled and broke in. And I said, we're going to let you borrow Char's bicycle for a while till you get your bicycle fixed. And so I take Char's bicycle. Have you ever rode that bicycle yet? One time. All right. One time. It's still brand new if you're interested in it. Anyway. Uh, so, 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 so I, I'm sitting there at Michael's house, and he, he's widowed, and he's got a dog, and he, he lives in just a little house, and, and he, he says, come on in, preacher, and so I'm going in his house, and we're sitting there, and, and he fixes me some sweet tea, and we're sitting there drinking tea, and I said, Michael, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? He said, no, but I'd like to. And I said, can I show you with an open Bible what that was? He said, yeah. Because right there, he... he, he we went to the plan of salvation and he prayed to receive Jesus into his heart. Now, now, did it take? I don't know. All I am is the messenger. And I can explain it till I'm blue in the face. But that work of grace is between God and the, the person. But it all started because my secretary was willing to take time to help this guy. And then we were willing to step out of our comfort zone and walk into all these people and say, Michael... Be tenderhearted, compassionate, put on a good face. Don't fake it. You ever seen those fake smiles? Well, just look at a selfie, and you might get close to seeing one if you've not seen one lately, right? See, see, get a good word. Just tell somebody you're praying for. Have a heart of compassion. Where you get out of your comfort zone. And then the fourth thing, if you want to be an Abishai, you got to pray. Over in the book of Philemon, it says in verse 22, there's not but one chapter, so. But with all, prepare me also lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. Paul's in jail. Paul's this great prayer warrior. Do you know how much of the New Testament he penned under the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Why in the world does he need somebody to pray for him? He's this great man of God. Guys, we all need other believers praying for us. And Paul said, I believe because of your prayers, I can be delivered. Isn't that good? We need to learn how to pray for people. You, how many of y'all got a prayer list? I hope you do. I hope my name's on it. But pray, intercede on behalf of others who are struggling. Because there's going to come a time, I don't care how spiritually mature you are. I don't care how much Bible you know. I don't care how great of a prayer warrior you are. There's going to be times where you need the prayers of God's people to surround you. I've shared with this church more than once. I think in 2006, I preached a revival. And this man and his wife said, I want to pray over you because the devil's got a target on your back. He wants to take you out. And I'm thinking, man, that's a good way to tell you they want to pray for you. And they start praying protection, praying God's mercy upon my life. And within a few months, I'm in a hospital with a kidney stone the size of my thumb. They did a nephrostomy where they cut into your back through the kidney. They cut the artery. I lost eight units of blood. I don't know nothing about this. 
But I wake up in the emergency room, or not the emergency room, in intensive care, and I've got airbags down my legs and on my arms because they're pumping what little blood I got left to my vital organs so I won't die. An hour surgery was like 10 hours. And the peace of God that passes all understanding was all over my life because I had people who were praying for me. They were abishized for me. I didn't know. There's a, there's a man he, back in, I think it was the 70s, his son was diagnosed with this rare skeletal disease. And he, he'd gone to the doctor, and the doctor, his Christian doctor, said, I can't help this, but I can recommend a man who can maybe help this situation. And so he takes his son to this, this specialist, and, and the specialist kind of looks at him and says, there is a possibility, he said, but this surgery, I don't even know if it's ever been performed before. We've got to take his, 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 uh, his rib cage out of his body and, and do this process. And he said, I'll be honest, he said, your son may die in the surgery, but your son will die without the surgery. And so the father goes back to his doctor and tells him, and his doctor, who's a Christian man, says, he said, look, he said, I know it's a scary situation. He said, but if it were me, I'd have the surgery for my child. That's your only hope. So they agreed. He and the wife prayed and sought God. He said, okay. And the day before the surgery, he drives down to the local church there. And he went into the, the pastor, and the pastor was gone. And the secretary said, he's, he just left for vacation. He, he's not going to be back for a couple of weeks. And said, what, can, what can we do? For, I'll have him. No, 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 don't bother him. Don't bother. And so he drives home, and, and, and he's just thinking, oh, my goodness. And, and, and all of a sudden, this phone rings, and it's the pastor calling him. And he said, Pastor, he said, what's going on? What, what do you need? He said, no, I don't want to bother. You're on vacation. You don't need to bear this burden. Around. He said, no, tell me what you need. And he said, well, here's the situation with my son. And that pastor said, he said, when we get to our location, he said, I'm going to get a room right beside my wife and my kids. And I'm going to go into that room and I'm going to start praying. And I'm not, not going to stop praying until you call me and tell me what's going on. He said, Pastor, the surgery is going to be 36 hours. He said, I'm going to get a room, and I'm going to go inside that room, and I'm not going to stop praying until you call me and tell me what's going on. It went longer than 36 hours. It was in the 40s. The doc came out twice. And he said, the first time, he said, we've nearly lost him three times. Whoever you got praying, it better not. then the doc comes out after 40 some hours and said it's okay and that daddy went to that phone and he called that pastor and the pastor before he could say he said three times it got dark three times it got heavy and the pastor the father relayed he said I don't know what was going on he said but I know three times it got heavy and all I could do was push in and pray press in and pray let me ask you something if somebody comes to you are you willing to say I'll get me a room and I'll get alone with the father and I'll press in and pray and I'll not stop and I'll stay on my face and I'll stay on my knees and I'll stay praying interceding on behalf why because a soul's at stake a life's at stake a brother's down I, I just Bob and Nobbs got him in the sights and God says I want you to be an Irish put on a good face give them a good word have a heart that's tender and you better start praying and I'm not talking about a little now I lay me down to sleep I'm 
I'm talking about when you learn how to get on your knees on before the Father and you lay on your face and you agonize with God and you're begging and you're crying and you're interceding and God starts to minister His Spirit into your spirit and you're just trusting Him and moving. Why? Because we all grow faint. So bow your heads and close your eyes. Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Do you need an Abishai? That's all you got to do is tell that to God. And maybe you're here right now and, you, and, and you're doing all right. But, but let me ask you, don't you want to be an Abishai on behalf of somebody else? Don't you want to be that one who can... Put the joy of the Lord on your face because it's real in your life. And you give a good word. And you got a heart that's tender. And you pray. Man, we need Abishai's. Father, I bow before you this morning, this night. God, we've we've enjoyed your presence through music. You've touched us, God, with these songs. And God, we've all faced these times of discouragement. Sometimes, Lord, it feels like we're in a drought. Teach us, God, how to press into you. And God, when those situations come that, that you've ordained, and we need that Abishai, God, that Abishai be there. God, show me how to be an Abishai. Show every believer in this room how to be an Abishai. Because, God, we're all going to go faint. We're going to get overwhelmed. We're going to get vulnerable. But Abishai comes alongside us. Altar's open if you need to come pray. Obey God. You're not here to impress the man. 